In today's episode, we get to talk with someone who's traveled the world as an evangelist and led millions of people to the Lord. And the reason why I want you to listen to this episode, not just because it's more geared towards evangelism, ministry, and Christian culture, but because you can even take these principles of what ministry looks like and how he reached a million people for Jesus and how you can use that in your life and in your business to reach others around your sphere of circles. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Today, we get to talk to a man who's traveled all around the world. He's been in really amazing countries and has spoken in front of millions and millions of people over his career. I want to welcome a Tulsa native, my new friend, Daniel King to the Whole Person Podcast. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you? Evan, it's wonderful to be here with you. Thank you for having me on. Man, thank you for coming. I really appreciate it. Now, you just got back from Ethiopia, where you had, what, 10,000 people uh, that you were speaking to at an evangelistic outreach? Yeah, we were out in the middle of nowhere. We drove nine hours from Addis Ababa, the capital of Ethiopia, over very bumpy roads into a village area where there's no bathrooms. You just have to use a hole in the ground. And we were out there uh, preaching to people about Jesus because we believe that every person should have at least one chance to hear the gospel in their lifetime. Very true. And not to discount anything you said, but do you have a favorite hole in the ground story? <laughs> Actually, my favorite hole in the ground story was from one of my friends. He went me on a trip to uh, the Middle East and we were in a very rural area. And this friend had a camera that he had just purchased right before the trip. And he was taking pictures of everything. And so everywhere he went, he'd pull out his camera and, and take a picture. And there'd be these kids beside the road. He'd take their picture and he'd take a picture of the food he was eating and everything. And he had this special belt with a, a case on it that he would put the camera in. And so we went into this one village and he really had to use the restroom, but there was no restroom available. So he went into uh, an outhouse and as he was using the outhouse his very valuable precious camera that all his pictures were on fell off his belt and down into the hole so here he is with this very valuable camera that's down in the hole and so he plugged up his nose and he reached way down into the hole managed to grab the the little string and pulled that camera out of the hole and use baby wipes and, and uh, germ be gone on that thing and, and got it back to new. But I, I really like that story. And I've actually preached about that story because it is really an illustration of how uh, God reaches down from heaven into the filth and dirtiness of sin and rescues us because he thinks that that we are valuable. And so it doesn't matter what condition your life is in. It doesn't matter what trash or, or things are going on around you or how smelly your life is. God is reaching down from heaven to, to grab you and rescue you because he thinks you are valuable. That's awesome. I, uh, that was a great question. 
Well, I mean, I've been to Uganda twice, Philippines. So I, I have, you know, my fair share of hole in the ground stories and lost shoes and underwear and stuff like that. So just something that we can bond over. Um, so Daniel, how long have you been an evangelist? Well, it's really been my whole life. When I was just five years old, my father was pastoring a small church in Cloudcroft, New Mexico, and he invited a prophetess to come to the service, and God woke her up the night before and gave her a message and said, tomorrow there will be someone in church wearing a blue shirt, and you are to prophesy that this person wearing a blue shirt is called to be an evangelist and to go to the nations to preach the gospel. So she came, looked around the congregation. No one had on a blue shirt, but she invited the children's workers to come upstairs, hoping that one of them would have a blue shirt on, and they brought with them a long line of children at the end of the line was a cute little five-year-old boy wearing a blue shirt. And she said, God, is this the one? And God said, yes. And so that cute little boy in the blue shirt was me. She prophesied that I was called to be an evangelist and to go to the nations to tell people about Jesus. And I didn't waste any time. I preached my first sermon at the age of six. And one of the things I say in that sermon is, if you are saved, stay saved. If you aren't saved, you better get saved. So even at the age of six, I sounded like an evangelist. And then when I was 10 years old, my parents became missionaries in the country of Mexico. And since they were my legal guardians, I had to go with them. And we did lots of children's ministry on the streets of, of Juarez, Mexico, right across from El Paso, Texas. But my heart and passion was always for evangelism. So we'd be driving past a soccer field and I'd grab my dad by the arm and say, dad, we could fill that soccer field full of people and tell them about Jesus. And then when I was 15 years old, I was reading a success book. It said, if you want to be successful, you need to write down your goals. And one of the goals they said would be good for young people is to try to become a millionaire by the age of 30. But I realized that because of my upbringing as a missionary in Mexico, that money wasn't what was important to me. What was important was souls. And so at the age of 15, I wrote down a goal on a piece of paper. I said, I, Daniel King, want to lead 1 million people to Jesus before I turn 30 years of age. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, I want to lead a million heirs into the kingdom of God. And so God started opening up doors in different nations. While I was still a student at Oral Roberts University, I did my first crusade and when I graduated, I just continued to go to different nations and doing crusades. And by the time I turned 30 years of age, I'm excited to tell you, Evan, that I completed that goal of leading over a million people to Jesus. And then God talked to me and I say, what comes next? And, and I felt like God said, go for a million souls every year. And so that's my heart and my passion is leading people to Jesus, as many as I can. I want to rescue them from hell and take them with me to heaven. My goal is hell empty, heaven full. That's awesome. I love hearing you say that. And for those of you that are listening, um, equating the, the million dollars of money and million dollars souls, the, what Daniel said in this book, I don't know what book specifically you're talking about, but the idea of the reason why you should want to be a millionaire by the time your X amount of ages, not so that you have so much money in the bank, but the type of person that it requires you to become to have the money is invaluable. So you take that context and apply it to soul winning. What type of person do you have to be to become an individual who can win a million souls to the Lord? So when we look at what you're saying 
in that context, it tells us that there are certain traits as a person that you've had to have or have to develop in order to do that. So with that being said, what are some of the things that you weren't equipped with that because you had this audacious goal that God equipped you with in order to be able to do that? Well, I find that setting a goal like that in life is really an empowering experience. And it allows you to stay very focused on on one thing. And so in life, of course, there's many distractions. There's many different things that I, I could have done with my life or, or different choices or places I could have gone to work or, or, or to live. And every decision I had to evaluate against the, the goal that I felt came from the throne room of heaven, to this, this passion for, for soul winning. And so anytime an opportunity came, which many of them were good opportunities, but when they came, I, I, I judged them against, does this help me reach my goal of, of leading a million people to Jesus? And if it didn't, then it became very easy to say no to many good opportunities so that I could say yes to the right opportunities to, to do what it was that, that I was called to do. So, so I think uh, focus is, is one of those qualities that's really essential to, to accomplish something great. Uh, another thing that, that God spoke to me the week before I started Oral Roberts University and God, God spoke this directly to me, but also confirmed it through three or four different mentors that spoke into my life. And it was interesting. All these mentors told me the, the same thing at the same time. And that was just the, the simple words, be diligent. And at the time, I thought it was just a, a word for the beginning stages of, of going to school. But as I've, I've grown older, I've realized that that word, be diligent, it is something that applies really for for all of life if you will be diligent to do what it is that you're called to do what you're focused on then great things will happen and even if you just put in a little bit of time each day towards completing those goals if you're just diligent and just stay diligent and keep being diligent being faithful then you can accomplish something amazing so, you know, you said earlier that there was this cute little boy in a blue shirt. Ironically, you're still wearing right I'm now. still wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> right. Uh, is blue your favorite color? It is. It lo- makes my eyes pop, my wife says. <laughs> That's funny. In terms of evangelism, we often think that missionaries and evangelism and ministry is for specific vocational ministry, at least here in the church in America, how do we as a culture reshape that thinking so that it's not a vocation that a pastor does, an evangelist does, a missionary does, but it becomes something that we as church members do in our lives. So one, how do we shape the culture to do that? And then the second part, like I said, is how as an individual do I become in a scenario or develop or equip myself in a scenario that I can be an evangelist as a neighbor on my street? Sure. I think that there are some who God especially calls 
to evangelism. Just like some people are called to be pastors, some are called to be evangelists, some some people are called to be uh, mothers, some people are called to be business women, some people are are, are called to to make money in in the marketplace. You know, everyone has a, a calling on their life, something that that God wants them to do that that is unique with for their their gifts and talents. And so I think there are some that are specifically called to be an evangelist. And I think I'm, I'm called to be an evangelist. But I think that the, the role of the evangelist is to train the church how to do evangelism. Yes, the evangelist is called to evangelize and to tell people about Jesus. But in Ephesians chapter 4, where you have five different gifts of the Holy Spirit mentioned, you got the the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the the pastor, and the teacher, but they're all given to prepare God's people for works of service. So really, all the the ministry gifts that God gives are meant to train the body of Christ. And, And I actually think that every person in the body of Christ is called to evangelize. In Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascended up into heaven, he, he told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He repeated himself in Mark 16, 15. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Luke 24, he says, forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. And John 20, he says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And then Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. So five times we have this instruction. And Jesus didn't give that instruction just to evangelists or just to those called to the vocation of of being in ministry. He gave it to every disciple. And so if you're a a disciple, a follower of Jesus, then you are called to share your faith with others. And so I think those who are specifically called to be evangelists are, are meant to equip the body of Christ, motivate the body of Christ to evangelize. And the word evangelism just means good news, spreading good news. And so as someone who knows Jesus and knows what uh, he's done for, for humankind, that he has provided salvation for all of our sins, then that's good news. And, and so if Jesus has saved you, then you are qualified to go and share good news with other people around you. you know, as you're talking and you, you were sharing the scriptures, kind of like the thought that popped into my head, there's this idea of qualification. I don't know enough. I don't feel comfortable or confident. You know, how do I know that you're talking to me and not someone else? And there's this little thing that God gave us after Jesus's ascension to heaven. It's called the Holy Spirit. And as believers, if we have accepted Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. So if we have the Holy Spirit, then it's by the Holy Spirit that this happens. And if you do have the Holy Spirit, then you are already called. So it's one of those, well, I don't know if I'm called. Well, do you have the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Then you're called. It's as simple as as that even. Yeah, absolutely. I I think every believer is called 
to, to share their faith with others. Um, and really, the need is the call. Sometimes people say, I, I don't know if I'm called, but the, if they see someone who needs Jesus, they're probably the one that's called to, to help reach that person. You know, or, or, or if you see someone who's hungry and it really moves you, instead of saying, man, I wish someone would help to feed the poor or I wish someone would, would help that person, I think, no, when we see a need, we're the ones called to, to help meet that need. And, and so if, if something really moves you and you see someone who's, who's poor and hungry, then you're probably the one called to do something about that problem and, and, and to help feed that person. Absolutely. So I have no experience with evangelism, no experience with ministry. What would be my first step? Well, the first step would be to start looking for opportunities to, to talk to people about Jesus and, and be led by the Holy Spirit as to what to say. Now, now for some people, that's really difficult because uh, they're introverted. They, they don't just talk to everyone. And, and even sharing their faith, sometimes there's, there's some fear involved there because people are scared they'll be accused of, of, of proselytizing. But really, if Jesus is inside of you, then Jesus is what should come out of you. Like if you have a, a water balloon that's full of water and you prick it with a pin, what's going to come out? Water is going to come out. And, and so if Jesus is inside of you, then you should talk about Jesus. That's what should come out of you. Uh, one time I met a, a grandma and she had 18 grandkids. And this grandma talked about her grandkids all the time. And she would pull out her wallet and begin to show you all the pictures of her grandkids and everything. And she'd tell you stories about them and how smart and handsome they were. And she loved talking about her grandkids. Why? Because her grandkids were important to her. I met a guy who loved motorcycles. And he loved all different types of motorcycles and especially ones that, that had been modified and, and, and painted really pretty. And, and he was always talking about motorcycles. He'd show me pictures of his new motorcycle he was going to buy and, and, and tell me. And, and the reason he talked about his motorcycles is because that's what was important to him. And so if Jesus is important to you, then you'll talk about Jesus with others. And, and motorcycle guy and, and grandma never apologized for talking about what was important to them. And so as Christians, I don't think we need to apologize for talking about our faith. We just have to, to go out into the world and, and look for opportunities to, to talk to people about Jesus. I have two veins of thought here, and I, they kind of both go in opposite directions. So I'm going to mention both and then we'll pick it up. You know, for starters, we have this idea, this fear of ministering to people around us or at work because of this idea of cancel culture. I'm going to get canceled. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to offend someone. Well, one, the gospel is offensive, number one, because it, it makes fools of the people that think they're the wisest people here on earth. So one, how do we overcome cancel culture? Yeah, I think some people have approached evangelism in the wrong way, and, and that's really 
messed it up for other people. Sometimes when people think of the evangelist, what they, they imagine is a, a guy with a megaphone on the street corner yelling at people, basically saying, you're going to hell. Now, here in America, because of the Bill of Rights, we have a, a, a right to, to freedom of speech. But just because you have a right to, to free speech doesn't mean that anyone else has an obligation to listen. And so you can yell all you want, but yelling usually turns people off. And people just don't like to be yelled at. And no one really likes to be told that they're going to hell, even if it's true. They don't like hearing that. And so I think before you really can, can preach the gospel, people, you have to earn the right to be heard. And that takes loving people. So I think evangelism has to go hand in hand with with loving people and showing genuine concern uh, for people's lives. And, and so there's a right way and a wrong way to share Jesus, it, for example, at, at your workplace. Uh, the wrong way would be to, to do it in a way that would, would get you fired. You know, and, and workplaces have various rules and, 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 and stuff that because, of course, a, a business's purpose is, is to make money. And if, you're, if you want to preach, do it on your own time. Don't do it while your employer is, is paying you to, pre, to, to, to work for him. Um, but there, there is a right way that you can witness even in the midst of your workplace. And, and that is by, first of all, being competent being a valuable member of the team, but then also by share, showing genuine concern for your coworkers, showing the love of Christ to them, demonstrating the love of Christ for them, upholding Christian values, uh, even when it's hard, being honest, and, and all those things, people will notice the, the things in your life that are Christ-like. And, and that will give you an opening to share the gospel with them. And then when that opening comes, if you do it in a, a kind and loving manner, um, then you'll be able to, to reach people for Jesus, even in the workplace. With that being said, going back to... Without being canceled. Yeah. Well, with, with that and going back to the... Well, you, prick the balloon and water comes out. There's this thing that I, I feel like God's been talking to me lately about, and it's specifically the anointing to do something. And I look at my life, you know, over the years, and I can see when I spent more time with God and when I was consistently seeking him, looking back, I can see that there was a a little bit more of an anointing, a presence, an ability to be led by the spirit to do the work of the kingdom. And, you know, since, since then early in college and once I got into adulthood, I became a little bitter, became a little angry, resentful, a little more hard-hardened, hard-hardened, hard-hardened? Hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. There we go. That's it. Hard-hearted. Sounds like a pirate. Arr, hearty. Arr. <laughs> and, um, but what I've realized is, you know, now I'm 
the other day, someone told me this, and they're like, Evan, we believe that you are called to be an evangelist. So you need to start walking and acting like you're an evangelist. And it was just a slap your forehead moment. If this is what I'm called to do, I need to start doing that, you know, in my mind, in my heart. And, you know, I've been spending time with God. I've, I've been doing these things, but I haven't tapped back into what I feel like is the anointing to do ministry, whether that's, you know, as an evangelist or just with the person down the street. And I, and I think that gets developed and I think that comes over time. But what advice would you give to, to cultivate that aspect of, of ministry, whether it's both, you know, in tens of thousands of people or to the lady in the grocery store? Sure. Well, I don't. And describe what the anointing is too, because someone might be like, what is the anointing? What's that? Sure. I, I, the, the anointing would be the, the supernatural empowerment by the Holy Spirit to help you to do what you can't do through your own strength. And in the Old Testament, uh, kings were anointed with a bottle of oil when they were called to be kings. And that was symbolic of Holy Spirit anointing where, where, where God pours out his spirit upon your life uh, to, to, to give you a calling. So I don't think that you have to necessarily feel that you're anointed in order to be anointed. I think that you just have to go out and, and start putting into practice what God has called you to do. And so you don't have to wait to feel like you're called to be an evangelist or, or feel like you're anointed to, to, for evangelism, to do evangelism. The, the way to do it is to just begin looking for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. And you'll find that as you open your mouth, even when you don't know what you're going to say, open your mouth, the Holy Spirit will put words in your mouth and, and you will find that you will have an impact on people's lives. And, and you'll find after the fact that you were anointed to, to do something for, for God. Uh, and that, that anointing will come. And, and then as you get more and more bold in, in talking to people about Jesus, I think you'll become more and more anointed um, and have the ability to, to do more and more. Um, there you go. There's a good there answer. There you go. That's, that's the answer. Yeah. So as let, let, me get, let me add to it really quick. Um, yeah. I, I've heard some stories from, from Todd White. Um, he's a, he's a, another evangelist, and, and he loves praying for the sick. And so he tells the story about how he was very bold in, in praying for people who were sick. And like the first 800 people that he prayed for didn't get healed. And, and like, he just kept doing it, just saying, God, I know that if I pray for people to be healed, that, that you'll be faithful to your word. And, and so then after he prayed for a bunch of people to be healed, then he finally started seeing people start to get healed. It, but it was because of his, his boldness to, to step out there and just to get over fear of man and, and, and fear of, of what could happen and just go out there and, and be bold and doing what it is that God's called you to do. And, and then as you're bold, 
then the anointing starts to come. Are you familiar with Guillermo Maldonado? Yeah, he's great. So, God. yeah, I had a really awesome experience with him once where, um, long story short, I met him twice at ORU. And the second time he invited me to come out to his church, flew me out there, put me up with a place to stay. I got to spend time with him and his family in the church. And um, in one of my private conversations with him, I said, what do you do when you pray for someone and they don't get healed? And he said this, he goes, Evan, I use it as humbling blocks to know that I'm not God. And I was just like, oof, that's good. Because sometimes, like, I don't understand fully why God heals some people and others don't get healed. I don't know. And I can't explain that. And I feel like because we can't answer those things, we become a little more hesitant to step out in faith and to pray for the sick, to, to pray and lay hands on for people who need healing, to, to witness to people who need to be saved that, that might reject it. What advice would you give to someone who, who's afraid of not seeing God move if they step out in faith and how they should reconcile that? Yeah, I like what Daniel Kalinda, the evangelist from Christ for All Nations, who took over for uh, Reinhard Bonnke, says. He says that uh, miracles is the easiest part of my ministry because I'm not the one that has to do miracles. You just pray for people and then let God do the miracles. And so I think you let God do the miracles and if God heals someone, great. If not, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Just leave it in the category of divine mystery. But still continue to pray for people to be healed. And some people you'll witness to, and they'll cuss you out. Well, don't let it bother you. Just go on to the next person. And some people won't get saved, but there will be some that do get saved. Some people won't get healed but there will be some that do get healed. And so just continue to, to follow after God and, and follow his word, and, and you'll see God do great things in your life. What question have I not asked you that I should have? <laughs> well, I've written a bunch of books on the subject of evangelism, and some of them are really tremendous resources that would be a great blessing uh, to to your lit listeners, I wrote one book called "You Can Become a, a Master Soul Winner: How to Lead People to Jesus." And so, if you want to be more effective in sharing your faith, and you want to get over some of the the, the hesitancies and and shyness uh, of witnessing, this book will really help you do it. And it's available on my website, kingministries.com, K-I-N-G, kingministries.com. Um, if you are a pastor and you want your church to grow, I actually wrote this book called How to Grow Your Church. And, and this book is a really great book uh, because I, I go speak at a bunch of different churches across America. And in every church for like the last 10 years, I've sat down with the pastor and I said, what are you doing to reach out to your community? How are you leading people to Jesus? And so all these pastors shared what they were doing, some of the unique outreaches that they had. So I collected all those ideas and put them in this book. So this book has over 150 
real ideas from real pastors that are being used to reach real people. And so it's called How to Grow Your Church. And so if you want to grow your church, not just through stealing sheep from other churches, but really genuine church growth where you're leading new people to Jesus, uh, th this book is a, a tremendous resource. And you, you can find it at my website, kingministries.com. And uh, also Soul Winning Inspiration for Leading People to Jesus. We talked a little bit about prayer and, and healing. And, and so I wrote a book about healing, which talks about experiencing the miracle touch of Jesus. And so if you want God to use you in the area of healing, or if you need healing, this is a tremendous resource to build your faith for God's healing power. And then I've got a brand new book that is hot off the press. This, this, this book is so new. Um, th this is one of the, the sample books, but it, it's, it's just about ready to be released. It's called Proof God is Real. And so this looks at several proofs, different ways of knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is real. And I really wrote this book in order to, to help reach people here in America, because I noticed that like on YouTube, uh, the spirit of atheism sometimes is really strong. And there's lots of videos about atheism and, and why people are atheists. And so I started looking at all those questions that they were, were, were asking about Christianity and, and wrote this book in order to provide some of the answers. And, and so proof God is real. It, it's uh, up on Amazon. You can find it brand new, hot off the press. And, and so all of these books are, are tremendous resources. And, and actually, I'd love to, to give you a free copy of some of my books. So if you go to my website, kingministries.com, and and give me your email address. I will email you free of charge the, the ebook copy of several of my books, including this book on, on personal witnessing. Uh, you can become a master soul winner. And so if you'd like to get a copy of this for, for free, uh, just go to kingministries.com, give me your email address, and I'll email you the ebook as my gift to you. Awesome. Well, Daniel, thanks for sharing that. Now, before I end this episode, I actually like to end each show with the same three questions, and I'm just going to give them to you. Daniel, other than Jesus and your spouse, what is the best decision you've ever made? Well, I think the decision that I talked about earlier in this episode to set the goal of leading a million people to Jesus before I turned 30 years of age. Just making that decision put me on a pathway to, to being an evangelist. Now we've led over 2 million people in a salvation prayer, been to over 70 nations preaching the gospel. We've trained hundreds of thousands of, of church leaders. I have over 600,000 books in print. I mean, all of that has happened because of that one decision that I made to, to make that my focus. In terms of negative self-talk, what negative self-talk would you say you currently struggle with? <laughs> well, one of the biggest challenges of, of being an evangelist is raising money. To, to go and to preach the gospel. You know, the, the gospel is free, but it takes money to get an airplane ticket to go preach the gospel. So, so probably a lot of my self-doubt would come in the areas of, of not having enough resources 
to do everything that God has called me to do. And it's our ministry has reached all of these people on very small budgets. It's really amazing. Uh, over the course of our ministry, we found it takes an average of about $1 for every person that we're able to reach, which is amazing. For only $1, you can rescue someone from hell and take them with you to heaven. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. And so for a dollar, you can start a party in heaven. And so um, I think the, the, the way we're able to go and preach the gospel is through just individuals that would give a dollar a month or $2 a month or $10 a month or $30 a month. To, to help us to, to, to preach the gospel. Uh, but the, the self-doubt comes when there's not enough resources to, 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 to do all the crusades that I feel that God has called us to do. And sometimes the devil comes and says, you know, there's something wrong with you. Other self-doubt comes when you start to compare yourself to others. Because when you look at Facebook, you see people going on exotic vacations or, or buying a new house. And, and of course, they always put their most successful thing up on Facebook. And so the question always comes like, you know, why, why haven't I done that? So, so if you start to compare yourself to others, that, that creates self-doubt. And so I've just started, to, I've learned to, to just be thankful for what God has given me and, and to just to continue to stay in my lane and not compare myself to other evangelists or other preachers or other people and, and, and what they're doing. I just need to do what God ha has called me to do. And in the midst of doing what God has called me to do, I know that God has called other people alongside me to, to help support financially. And, and so if you're listening and, and you want to help us lead people to Jesus, then go to kingministries.com. Give us at least $1 a month to help us lead at least one person to Jesus is the best investment of a dollar you could make. Absolutely. Now, last question. What brings you peace? Well, spending time with God is a great place to find peace. I think in all the, the busyness of life, the hustle and bustle, all the different demands that we have upon our time, sometimes you just have to find the, the, the time, the quiet time to just get with God and, and refocus, maybe spend some time reading the Bible, spend some time in prayer, meditating on, on your favorite scriptures and, and, or, or worshiping God. And, and that helps to bring peace even in the midst of the, the busyness of life. Absolutely. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate the time and everything that you shared. Hope you have a great day. Evan, thanks so much for having me on. And if you're listening, go to kingministries.com. Give me your email address, get your free book. And if you want to help support soul winning, give a dollar a month to help us lead people to Jesus. And go win a soul yourself. Take care, Daniel. God bless you. Amen.